Amen. Wonderful. Amen. Well, if you can't preach after that, you just ain't never been called to preach is all I can say. Amen. That's wonderful, young people. Thank you for that good singing. Matthew chapter 7 over in your New Testament, first book of the New Testament, Gospel of Matthew. When you find your place, stand with me, please. Matthew chapter number 7. You don't want to miss being here tonight. God's give us a message this evening that you're not going to want to miss. Amen. We're having the Pro Bowl here this evening at 5 o'clock. And next week, we're having the Super Bowl of Christianity here at 5 o'clock next Sunday night. We're not canceling our services to watch a bunch of fat men chase one another around. We're not moving our services. We're not rescheduling our services. Amen. Seek ye first, Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I don't know how you can do that, and cancel church, watch a bunch of fat men running around sweating, chasing a pigskin full of hot air, and at the end of the day, it ain't going to amount to a hill of beans in the grand scheme of eternity. Amen. So we're having the Super Bowl of Christianity. We're going to find out who loves Jesus more than they love the world this next Sunday night at 5 o'clock. All right. So I just thought I'd give everybody fair warning. What's going on around here? All right. Are you in Matthew 7? Man, that singing makes me want to run laps. If I wasn't so fat and out of shape, I'd run to Arkansas and back and then preach. Enter ye in at the straight gate, verse 13, for wide is the gate. And broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. We're going to preach a little bit this morning on that statement in verse number 14. Narrow is the way. Narrow is the way. Lord, help us this morning as we turn now our hearts and our Attention to the Word of God. We thank you for the singing that we've heard. Our souls have already been stirred through the message in the songs, but now I pray that the Word of God would minister to hearts. Have your will away in the service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I preached out of Matthew chapter 7 just a few weeks ago, but I didn't really get into these verses right here. And I've had them on my heart for a while now, and as I was going back looking at them, I just thought, I don't know that I've ever preached an entire message on that statement in verse number 14, narrow is the way. I know as a Christian, especially in 2024, I have been told many times, even by people that profess to be saved, that I was narrow-minded. Let me tell you how narrow-minded I am. A gnat can sit on my nose and look around both ears. That's how narrow-minded. I can look through a keyhole with both eyes. That's how narrow-minded I am. But let me tell you something. The Bible is clear. Jesus is very clear. Jesus said this. If you've got a red-letter edition Bible, this is Jesus talking in Matthew 7. And Jesus said that the way is narrow. We're living in a society that is obsessed with the word inclusivity. Let me explain something to you. The Bible's very inclusive when it comes to the gospel. 
You can't get any more inclusive than for God so loved the world. You can't get any more inclusive than whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. You can't get any more you can't get any more inclusive than whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's pretty inclusive. But this morning, I want to just expound the scriptures. I've got a lot of Bible, if it's okay. I'm going to give you a lot of what God said, not a whole lot of what I got to say. Three things we're going to look at this morning about this thought, the way is narrow. Narrow is the way. Number one, the way is narrow because of the exclusivity of Christ. Now stay with me. The idea behind this phrase, all roads lead to Rome, the capital city of Rome back in the day and how it was once considered the center of the world. The origin of that statement stems from the fact that Rome was a major city and was a hub of trade and politics and culture and so a wide variety and series of roads and networks of roads that were built pretty much made their way towards Rome as the center of civilization at the time. There was a French poet in 1175 that coined the phrase, a thousand roads leads a man forever towards Rome, which is where we got the statement, all roads lead to Rome. And we use that phrase a lot of times to describe a situation where different paths or different approaches can many times lead to the same outcome. But can I tell you something this morning? All roads may lead to Rome, but all roads do not lead to heaven. And I'm not going to Rome when I die. That's not where I want to go. Muhammad cannot save a lost soul. Buddha cannot save a lost soul. The Bible's clear. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. I'm going to give you some Bible for that, all right? We're talking about the exclusivity of Christ. The way is narrow because there's only one option. Jesus said in John chapter number 14 in verse number five, because Thomas looked at Jesus and said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus answered and said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he went on to expound by saying, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. And that's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number five and six. In John chapter number 10, Jesus said it like this in verse number seven. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus said, I am the door. There's only one door. That ark over there in the book of Genesis only had one door. All the animals, the giraffes and the mice all had to go in the same door. Amen. They all had, I mean, the same door that the hippopotamuses went in is the same door that the fleas went in. There was only one door. There's only one way to heaven and it is Jesus Christ. When Jesus said the way is narrow, what is he saying? He's saying that it's exclusively through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Now, when you preach that today, a lot of people get offended. 
They like it when you've got a variety of ways. They like it when you've got all kinds of options. And every now and then you'll hear some apostate on the radio or on the television or on the YouTube say, well, all these people all around the world, if they're sincere, then when they die, they'll go to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what the Bible says. In Acts chapter number four, verse number 12, Brother Berner gave this verse in Sunday school this morning. Neither is there salvation in any other. That's what he said. He's talking about Jesus Christ, by the way. Acts chapter number four. Look at Acts chapter number four, verse number 10. Peter is preaching and he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said in Acts chapter four, verse number 10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. He's talking about the man that was healed at the beginning of chapter number three. They healed a crippled man. Everybody was amazed and want to know by what authority they did that and how they did that. And he's telling them that it was through the name of Jesus Christ. Then in verse number 11, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Verse number 12, neither is there salvation in any other, any other what, any other name, any other person. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So this morning we're talking about the way is narrow because of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. There is salvation in none other name other than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible's very clear on that. The problem that we have today is there's people that don't believe the Bible. They would much rather believe their own doctrine. They'd much rather believe what they were told, uh, taught or told as a child. They would much rather believe their false teachers. They would much rather believe their traditions rather than what the word of God said. But Jesus is very clear. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And listen to me this morning. If you have not believed in the name of Jesus Christ, you've never been saved. The exclusivity of Christ. One of the biggest stumbling blocks as to people that I talk to today is I say, I struggle. I struggle to understand how all these people all around the world that have all these other religions and other systems of beliefs, how they could be lost and how they could be on their way to hell. That just doesn't seem fair to me. I said, I don't know how you could say that. God sent his only begotten son to the world so that they could be saved. You can't get any more fair than that. You can't get any more fair than, than, than God looking down at sinful man and seeing that because of our sin that there was no way we could bridge the gap between, uh, between us and the state that we were in and a, and a thrice holy God. So he came down in the form of flesh and paid our, debt, our sin debt for us. You can't get any more fair than that. You can't get any more fair than the fact that it is a free gift. It's, there's not, it doesn't cost you a penny. It cost him everything, but it was free. Salvation's path and plan is free. Is everybody still with me? We see the exclusivity of Christ. Number two, we see the exclusions of the city. We're talking about heaven. Contrary to public opinion, not everybody that dies goes to heaven. That's a painful reality. It is a heartbreaking truth. 
And I'll be honest with you, I can't remember the last time I conducted a funeral where the family all agreed that the deceased was lost. Brother Berner and I, we, we, we do a lot of funerals. We go to a lot of funeral homes. And it does not matter how wicked that person lived. It does not matter how wicked they died. The whole family insists they're in a better place. Statistically, according to our text in Matthew chapter number seven, that is an impossibility. For every person that dies to go to heaven. When Jesus said, let me read it again in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13, enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. Many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. We are surrounded. Our church is literally surrounded by cemeteries and graveyards. They're all over the place. Any road you take around here, you're going to pass by a cemetery with hundreds of graves, hundreds of graves covering the ground. Statistically, many of those graves mark the resting place of souls that are in hell. It's heartbreaking. Few of those graves, according to what Jesus said, if you believe Jesus, few there be that find it. Few of those graves signify those that found the straight and narrow way. Because that's what Jesus said. Sobering, isn't it? Doesn't matter how religious that person was. Hell is going to be filled with religious people. Hell is going to be filled with church members. People that, people that, was, that gave money weekly to their church or their religious organization. People, there's going to be preachers in hell. Missionaries, evangelists, Sunday school teachers, choir members. It doesn't matter how religious that person was. It doesn't matter if that person had a family Bible on their coffee table. Doesn't matter if they wore a cross necklace to work every day. Doesn't matter if they went to church from time to time or prayed every now and then. None of that matters if they were not born again. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, you're right there, look at it. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about the city, the celestial city, the holy city, the new Jerusalem. We're talking about heaven. Here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21. You can look at it if you'd like. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 23, talking about heaven. The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the lamb is the light thereof. What, what about that? Isn't that amazing? Revelation 21, 23, there'll be no power bills in heaven. Amen. Verse 24 says, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. What is the prerequisite to get into heaven? What, what, is, the, what is the criteria to walk in that light in heaven? And then they're saved. That's what it says. 
The nations of them that are saved shall walk in the light of it. Verse 24, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Look at verse 27. We're talking about the exclusions of the city. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Anything that defileth. Let me break it to you this morning. You've only got to commit one sin to be defiled. The Bible says that if we are guilty of one sin... We're guilty of all. That's what the Bible says. God cannot allow sin into his holy city. I've heard Brother Bud Hall many times standing next to him. He gives a testimony of salvation. He tells about how the soul winner came to his house and, said, and looked at him and said, Bud, let me ask you a question. If you were to stand before God at the gates of heaven, tell me what would you say to him when he said, why and how should I allow you into my holy heaven? And that what you said? Why should I let you in? You're a sinner. The Bible's very clear. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. How many people you reckon's told a lie? Everybody. Don't look at me like that. Your wife is sitting right beside you, sir. Started lying when you was a baby in the crib. Screaming bloody murder like you was getting your throat cut, only there was nothing wrong with you at all. <laughs> nothing. Clean diaper, just been fed, everything's perfect. Ah! And mama comes running in there, nothing's wrong. Liar! <laughs> Maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you see? Do you see the criteria? Your name must be written in the Lamb's book of life, meaning you were born again. And your name was written in the Lamb's book of life when you got born again. Look at chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without, meaning without the gates, on the outside, for without are dogs and sorcerers. That's not talking about animal dogs. The Bible uses that word dogs to describe wicked men and ungodly people in the scriptures. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Those are the ones that are outside the city. They're not allowed in. Jesus said, narrow is the way. Not everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody is a child of God. Well, that's being taught. That's being taught that everybody, everybody's a child of God. Well, then who was Jesus talking to when he said, you're of your father, the devil? Who was he talking to? He was talking to people that had not been born again. Not everybody is a child of God. Nicodemus in John chapter number three was probably as about a, a, a righteous, humanly speaking, as righteous a man as you could possibly find. Pharisees, 
dotting every I, crossing every T, going through all these rituals and all these routines and going through all these things and all these steps to make it into the religious elite of their day. And he came to Jesus by night in John chapter number three and Jesus looked at him and said, you must be born again. So we see the exclusions of the city. Not everybody's going to heaven. That's what Jesus meant when he said narrow is the way. But then thirdly, why would Jesus say narrow is the way? I believe it's because of the expectations that he has of the converts. For you to be saved, there's pretty strict criteria. Stay with me now. I didn't say it was hard. It's not hard. It's actually very easy. You see, how easy is it? Well, I got saved when I was four. <laughs> I got saved when I was four. Preacher was preaching. I was sitting in the pew. I realized I was lost going to hell. And I got saved when I was four. It's not that hard. But the way's narrow. Let me give you some Bible. Some of y'all looking at me funny. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 3, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's, there's some criteria. It's not hard. It's not complicated. And it's free. And it's for everybody. But God has some expectations in order for us to be saved. Just let this soak in just a second. See, we got a lot of people that think they can do a whole bunch of stuff to get to heaven. That that's not what you got to do. That thief on the cross... Remember the thief on the cross that had been tried and convicted and sentenced to die? Capital punishment. Looked over at Jesus, and here's what he said. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That was it. There was no baptism. He didn't join the church. He never tithed one dime to the church. Never gave a penny to missions. He never passed out a track, knocked on the door, but here's what Jesus said. He looked at him and he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. <laughs> Brother Leto, that, that criminal checked every box with that one statement. Ain't that something? Let me give you three things this morning that God expects every sinner to do, every person to do in order to be saved. Number one, they must realize their spiritual condition. They must realize their need for Jesus Christ. Can we start with that? I've said this before, that the hardest thing about getting saved is getting people lost. Getting saved is easy. Admitting that you need to be saved is many times the part that many people cannot do. They sit there so adamant and so, so convinced that they're okay, not realizing that they're not okay. Before you can be saved, you must realize you're lost in need of salvation. How many of you have ever been lost in the woods before? Raise your hand. I've been deer hunting before with people that didn't know what they were doing. I'm not going to call any names. But I have been so deep in the woods 
And I was so tired of crawling through briars and climbing over logs. I didn't want to shoot a deer. I wanted to shoot the guy that got me there. <laughs> I just wanted to get to my truck and go home. Looking at the phone, looking at the phone, the GPS, that little dot. I think there's a road up here. 30 minutes later, my tongue's hanging out. It must be over there. Man, I hate being lost. I hate being lost. And unlike a lot of men, if I'm driving somewhere and I don't know where I am, I stop and ask directions immediately. Immediately. I want to know where I am so I can get on the right road. I don't want to drive around in circles and waste gas. I cannot imagine how many people live their whole life lost and in denial that they're lost. Romans chapter three, verse number 10 says, it is written, there's none righteous. No, not one. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You say, I'm going to get to heaven by my good works. First of all, that's not how you get to heaven. Number one. Number two, you're not, you don't have good works. So there's that. The Bible says our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The best you can do is filthy rags in the sight of God. How do you think you're going to stand before God and say, let me in. This is my ticket right here. And there's a pile of filthy, dirty rags. It's not how it works. You have to admit there's none righteous. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That word sin means to miss the mark. <laughs> you ever shot an arrow at a, at a, at a target? They got the little bitty tiny bullseye, maybe thrown darts at the dartboard, a little bitty target, that's the bullseye. You throw your arrow, you throw your dart, and it sticks into the ground or it sticks into the wall of sheetrock over here. Man, I missed it. Oh, yeah, you missed it. I go to some people's house, they got a dartboard on the wall, and there's holes all over the all around it in the sheetrock. They missed the mark. That's what the word sin means. It means you try and you try and you try, but you never get it right. You have to realize your spiritual condition. Romans 5, 12 says that all have sinned. Everybody, all of us are sinners. Secondly, not only does the expectation of the convert that we realize their need for Jesus, but secondly, and this is where some people fall off the turnip truck. They need to repent and turn to Jesus Christ. Now, many people today don't like the doctrine of repentance. I'm amazed at how many so-called Baptist preachers attack me. I get emails. They want to debate me on their blog or their podcast over the doctrine of repentance. I don't understand it. We're talking about the expectation. This is what God expects. Is everybody okay? Their idea of repentance is turning from unbelief to belief. No, that's called believing. Believing and repentance is not the same thing. In fact, in Hebrews chapter number six, it is not laying again the foundation of dead works, of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. 
not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Repentance is a vital Bible doctrine that has been taken out of the plan of salvation in many places. And you wonder why the churches are filling up with goats. Let me just give you some Bible. Can you handle some Bible? John the Baptist expected repentance. In Matthew chapter three, verse number seven and eight, he said, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, old generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruit, meat for repentance. You want to get baptized by me, John the Baptist said? Repent. Repent. Jesus expected repentance. Luke chapter 13, verse number three, Jesus said, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He said it again in verse number five, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. How many times does Jesus have to say it before it's true? In Luke chapter five and verse number 32, Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Luke chapter 15 and verse number seven, Jesus said, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Repent from what? Sin. That's what bothers people is the doctrine of repentance from sin. Luke chapter 24 and verse number 45, then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead that third day and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you're witnesses of these things. Repentance is still a Bible doctrine. It is still a part of the Great Commission. we got a, mission, a veteran missionary here been preaching in Germany for the last 15, 16, 17 years. Do you preach repentance in Germany? That's what Jesus said to do. Preach repentance and his name among all nations. Peter, the apostle Peter, expected repentance. Acts chapter 3, verse number 19. He says, repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Paul expected repentance in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 20, but showed first unto them at Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to all the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works, meet for repentance. You preach that today, people accuse you of believing in a work salvation. They call it heresy. They call it false doctrine. God expects Repentance. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, Paul said at the time of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Second Peter chapter three, verse number nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You got the exclusivity of the gospel and the inclusivity of everybody can repent. Right there together. So we see the ways narrow because it involves recognizing that you need Jesus. Secondly, repenting and turning to Jesus. And then thirdly, recognizing that Jesus is the only way. 
in Acts chapter number 16, that Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's what he said. Here's what Paul said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That, that, that Ethiopian eunuch reading Isaiah 53 didn't understand a word of it. Philip jumped up in that chariot with him and from the same place began to preach unto him Jesus. And that Philippian, that, that, that Ethiopian eunuch said, well, here's water right over here. What doth hinder me from being baptized? Philip said, well, if you believe, if you believe, Exact words are slipping my memory. If you believe, if thou believest, I don't want to, I don't want to misquote. That's too good. I got it right here. Here's what he said. If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Amen. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And he went down into the water and he got baptized. Amen. He professed salvation by putting his faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only way. That Ethiopian, no doubt, had been taught every kind of religion and false doctrine imaginable. He turned his back on all of that and accepted Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Romans chapter 10, verse number 8 says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Bible goes on to say, For with the, the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Brother Sasser is in Israel right now, preaching the same message we're preaching this morning. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The way is narrow, <laughs> very narrow. In fact, it's so narrow, the Bible says, few there be that find it. But you can get through it if you accept Jesus Christ. It's not impossible. God's not in heaven saying any, many, miny, mo." You can, you can stay and you can go. That's not how it works. Anybody can be saved this morning. I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed, our musicians are coming. We've got personal workers that are standing by. There may be someone in the service this morning. You say, Pastor Shifflett, I'm not 100% sure that if I died right now that I would go to heaven. I hope I would go. I think I would go. I mean, I want to go to heaven, but I don't know for sure. I'm not 100% sure that if I died right now that I would go to heaven. And I would like for you to pray for me. I wonder this morning, would you be concerned enough about your soul? Would you be concerned enough about your eternal destiny? That just right where you're sitting, just slip your hand up where I can see it. Say, Pastor Shifflett, pray for me. I'm not sure. You can just slip it up where I can see it. I see that hand, you can put it down. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. Church, pray. Church, pray. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Pray for me. I'd like for you to pray for me, Pastor Shifflin. Anybody? Listen to me. We wouldn't embarrass you for nothing in this world. We would love to help you this morning. <clears throat> we would love to help you this morning. If you're watching online, there's a phone number on the screen. You can text that number and say, I need to talk to somebody. And somebody will call you in just a few minutes with the Bible and do our best to try to help you over the phone. 
If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that you're a blood-bought, born-again child of God, there's nothing any greater, there's nothing any more serious than that right there. 